Hey, welcome to Hopecast for the week of October 16th, 2022. This week we're looking at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, at the parable of the widow and the unjust judge, where Luke reminds us not to be discouraged, even though an answer to our prayers may seem like a long time coming. Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning uh, on this monumental Sunday after the University of Tennessee beat Alabama. We were just talking about before service, and uh, I'm just I'm just an underdog fan. Like I've always liked the Vols, but you know they're not like my team. But I just love an underdog. Um, so uh, because sometimes, and this actually ties in unintentional segue into our uh, into our into our message this morning, um, we get discouraged. Right, like so, my regular team, college team, is North Carolina State Wolfpack, and we just we get hurt all the time. Like, like literally, one of our players got hurt on Saturday. But as fans, we get hurt. We're used to getting hurt. We get disappointed. We get discouraged. And so, when we pull through, or when somebody else pulls through, it's just kind of nice, right? We enjoy it. We like celebrate with those people. But you know, talking about you know discouragement, we're going to be in Luke chapter eighteen today, verses one through eight. If you want to go ahead and be turning there. Um, we all get discouraged at different points in our lives. Right? Like growing up in, in fairy tales uh, and Saturday morning cartoons, you know, I'm talking like G.I. Joe, He-Man, Thundercats, right? All that sort of stuff. Grew up in the 80s. Uh, we learned that the good guy always wins, right? We always heard good triumphs over evil. Um, even if evil seems to have the upper hand. Oh, even just coming in this morning, our kids were watching the absolute very uh, very Christian movie, Harry Potter, in the car on the way in. And uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're such good Christian parents. Yeah, so good verse two. See, it ties in, right? And it was the Goblet of Fire where, you know, if I'm, spoiler alert, it's been out for a while. Go watch it um, if you hadn't already. But um, Goblet of Fire and Harry's, fighting Voldemort, and and Voldemort seems to have the upper hand, right? And all of a sudden, was it, it, his Harry's like mom and dad come in, and, you know, anyways, they, they help him escape, they help him win, essentially, right? So we, in our movies, in our culture, we see the message often that good always triumphs over evil, right? And we love that message. I love that message. I want to see the good guy win. And one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite, Examples of that is in the movie Rocky and the whole Rocky franchise. I'm going to start at the beginning, but we're going to end up in Rocky Four, which is my all-time favorite one. Okay, so there's always a tragedy or some sort of crisis. Okay, and in Rocky One, uh, the first Rocky, the reigning champion of boxing, Apollo Creed, needs an opponent, right? Because the guy that he was supposed to be fighting backed out on him. And he just needs an, an opponent. He's going to be in Philly. So they find this local guy, boxer, um, his, uh, Rocky. Uh, what was his last name? I can't even think of it now. Rocky Balboa. Who said that? Thank you, sir. Yeah, so Rocky Balboa. They find, they find him. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll take down this local guy. And he ends up winning, right? In Rocky II, Apollo Creed needs to protect his reputation. And he goads Rocky into a rematch, Right? Uh, and that Rocky three, I think was the one with Mr. T. Something else happened. I don't remember. But in Rocky four, I just want to skip three. Nobody really cares about this one. Rocky four was the best one. Okay. So 
Apollo Creed, again, is in it. He's, he's now the, one of the good guys, right? In the first and the second movie, he was kind of the, the bad guy. Um, but now he's one of the good guys. And he's fighting this Russian monster, Ivan Drago. And Drago ends up killing Apollo Creed in their match. And his death must be avenged so that the U.S. can win the Cold War or something like that. I don't know. Um, well, so, so this threat, this tragedy turns into a training montage where Rocky agrees to fight the, the Russian. Rocky's running through knee-deep snow in Russia. He's like hanging from a barn rafter doing sit-ups, getting punched in the stomach while he's doing it or something. He's carrying a big log right through the snow. He's, he's punching like a side of meat, or that may have been the first one, I don't remember. And meanwhile, like while Rocky's like training like an American, right, hard work on the farm, uh, Drago is in a lab being injected with all kind of stuff on machines that are testing him. Uh, he's being injected with like, who knows what it is, just these vials of stuff, HGH or deer antler extract or some kind of essential oil, who knows. Um, but he's scientifically, what's that? Lavender, it's lavender. Who knew all along? <laughs> but, uh, he's scientifically being made into the best boxer possible, right? Uh, he's strict shoulder pressing. Now, I, watched, I went back and watched the clip, okay? And, and a strict shoulder press is where you are not using your legs to help drive any momentum up, where you're basically pressing weight vertically from about your chest height all the way to arms extended. Uh, some of them may call it a military press. You're basically not using any momentum from your legs to help. Uh, and I counted the plates in the video. And by the time you add on the collars and, and everything and the, and the weights, if, now, of course, it was a movie. Who knows? But in the movie, if you counted the plates, he was shoulder pressing 485 pounds, right? It was ridiculous or something like that. While Rocky's just working hard with barn equipment because that's the American way and science is for like commies or something. I don't know. But anyways, then Rocky climbs a mountain like he climbed the steps back in Philly and he gets to the top and he screams, Drago! Right? And then they have this press conference before the fight and Rocky's all like, hey, yo, let's have a good fight. And Drago's like, I must break you. And it's set up to be this amazing thing, right? And the fight comes and it's horrible. Rocky's being destroyed from the first bell. He can't get in a hit because Drago has like a 10-foot wingspan and, and Rocky's like short. It looks like all hope is lost and this is going to be a first fight. And somewhere around round 13 or 16 of Rocky and Drago just going after one another, Rocky gets a fresh wind. And the Russian crowd starts chanting Rocky's name instead of Drago's name. And Rocky just starts wailing on the Russian. And the only time that he knocks Drago down is a KO and America wins. And the reason Rocky won was because he persisted through multiple concussions and aneurysms until he hit this moment of clarity or madness or something, and he was able to win. But it doesn't always seem that way in the real world, right? As much as we want it to be true, the good guy doesn't always win, right? We've all seen times where it looks like evil is doing a pretty good job of winning. Tragedies unfold often in the darkness and nobody even knows about it. People are abused and they can't say anything. Or if they do say something, it's covered up, right? Uh, we've seen people taken too soon by sickness or violence. and We've seen people caught in the crossfire in the streets 
collateral damage from drone strikes or bombings during war. And we've all seen decent people who would do anything for anyone get taken advantage of by scammers or televangelists. And it's so easy just to throw our hands up and say, well, there's no use fighting any of this. It is what it is, and I can't fix it, so I'm not going to try. But Jesus has a different message for us today. He reminds us to fight against this feeling of discouragement and giving in, just like Rocky fighting the Soviet Union single-handedly by himself. So in Luke chapter 18, let's look at verses 1 through 8. It says, Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people, and a widow in that town kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her, pers by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to dive into it uh, and see how we can fight against discouragement and be encouraged. This morning, and I'll walk with you. All these things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So for some context, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's traveling there for the final time before his crucifixion. Okay? Last week, as he was on the way, we learned about how there were ten lepers that were healed, and only one of them came back and gave glory to God. <clears throat> and Jesus has been talking about the coming of the kingdom. The coming of the kingdom of God, uh, which is God beginning a relationship, desiring to begin relationships personally with everyone, right? And Jesus is the beginning of that. He says, don't be too confident about knowing when all of this is going to happen, when the end time is going to come. A lot of times the Bible refers to it as like the day of the Lord. You can't tell. There's no way to tell. The, the, only the Father knows. Just be faithful no matter what, right? We can't see when the deadline's coming because I don't know about you, but for me, if I know when I have a deadline, I'm going to push off whatever I have to do until that deadline approaches. A day or two before, the night before maybe, I'm like, I'll furiously finish it. We can't live our Christian walk like that, right? If we know we have 20 years until Jesus returns, we can't live the, the next 19 as if he's not. And then that, say, okay, well, I'm going to, right before he comes, I'll fix it. Because I would do that. I would do that. I promise you I would. Uh, and that's not good. <laughs> he says, be faithful no matter what. And then he tells them a parable about persistent prayer, the one that we just read. Now, this is one of the few parables where Luke actually tells us the lesson at the beginning. He says, pray always and do not give up. Some translations say, don't lose heart. Some translations say, don't become discouraged. Jesus right here is telling a story about abuse and about a corrupt government official. Right? So, this widow has an oppressor or an adversary that she needs relief from. He doesn't say the specifics. Again, it's a parable, likely a made-up uh, story, but probably based on real-life events. Stuff like this probably happened uh, a lot. 
So anyways, this widow had someone that was trying to take advantage of her or someone that had taken advantage of her um, and she needed relief against it. She couldn't do anything about it. So she was imploring this judge, please help me. Maybe it's some kind of a civil matter like they stole her sheep or her cookie recipe or violated her trademark or copyright or something. Who knows what it was? Uh, we don't know what it is, but the context is that it was unjust. Right? She was wronged in this scenario. She was the good guy. Whoever did this to her was the bad guy. And the antagonist, the other bad guy, is this judge. This judge has a no-nonsense attitude. He doesn't fear God or have respect for people. It is what it is. I call it like I see it, and it doesn't matter who, who is hurt by the aftermath. Right? So she persistently comes to him, asks him, and he persistently denies her request. She keeps coming. She keeps asking. And he persistently says, no, go away. No, go away. No, go away. But eventually, we see in verse 4, that it was only for a time. For a time, he was unwilling to do the right thing. But eventually, he became tired of her persistence. The, the Greek here literally is to become black and blue. He basically was felt like he was getting beat up by her persistence. And that's kind of true in a human sense. Persistence pays off, usually. We see that. I've seen that. Um, we ask someone over and over again, if you're a parent, you've experienced this. Mom, 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 can I have this? 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 And eventually, like, whatever. Go do what you want. Here's money, whatever you want. Just stop. Just stop asking me, okay? Um, but is Jesus saying here that if we have a request for God, that we have to bully God to get it? Is he saying that we have to persistently come to the Father asking over and over and over again until we wear him out and finally he gives in to our demands? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's what the Bible's saying. It doesn't line up with everything else that we are told about God, right? Now, God is loving and he's just and Consider the lilies of the field and the sparrows, how he takes care of them. Won't he much more take care of us? So this idea of having to go to God and just wear him down doesn't line up. So what is he saying? What is he saying? Well, I believe uh, and scholars see that Jesus is setting up a comparison here, right? A compare contrast. We're familiar with having, having to wear down humans sometimes to get our way, um, Again, like I said, our kids will wear us out until we agree to give them $20 for the Scholastic Book Fair or whatever. Was that whole thing, honestly, let's, let's just talk about that another time, but that's kind of a rip-off, let's be honest, right? Uh, you know, because you're spending like $10 and getting like a sticker book, and in a week the stickers are all gone or they're stuck on everything that they don't need to be stuck to. Anyways, but God isn't like that, okay? He's the contrast to the human judge, the human um, powers, powers that be sometimes that we do have to wear down. We do have to protest against. We do have to seek, um, implore them over and over again to do the right thing. God is not that. All right. God answers the cries of his elect according to verse eight. He hears his children. He answers their cries. 
And what Jesus is saying here is, if this man who has no, this judge who has no fear of God and who, and who doesn't respect people, right, he doesn't play favorites, no nonsense, whatever, if he will eventually do the right thing, how much more then is God willing to answer our prayers without having to wear him down, without having to, uh, to come to him over and over and over again and bully him into an answer? And we know that, and we, we want that to be true, and I believe it to be true, but sometimes it doesn't feel like God is answering our prayers so much more than this other man. We talked about this some last week, and, and even the week before, how faith the size of a mustard seed is all that you really need, but there are times when the answers to our prayers are no, or maybe even... It seems like there's not an answer. It's just silence. How do we deal with that? Healing from your leprosy, like the guys we saw last week, the ten lepers, it doesn't always come. Cancer often takes a life that we pray for. Tragedies still happen. And, and we pray and implore and it doesn't always seem to go the way that we want to. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do about that? Well, like the widow, we keep heart. We don't lose hope. We ask again and again, not because we need to beat God into submission, but because prayer is more about changing us than it is about changing God. And on the surface, that feels a little bit like a cop-out. I'll be really honest with you. Well, you see, prayer is not about changing God's mind. It's really about changing you because you're a bad person. You need to be changed. Look, I know I got all kinds of issues going on. I tell people I got issues like Newsweek. They just, they just keep coming, right, every week, whether we want to or not. I know, but God also knows. And like we sang earlier, His mercy is so much more than my issues, thankfully. So, but prayer helps me, one, to calm myself down. Because often the issues that I'm praying about in the short term may not be as big of an issue as I'm thinking it is. Right Now, not everything. Some things are still very big. But some things are, are smaller. So it helps me to calm down. And it reminds me of who He is and how much He cares. And it helps us to see that when we keep praying uh, over and over that we change we become more loving and patient, maybe. It's hard to be mad at somebody if you're praying for their well-being. Right? I know I've had to do that a lot um, in the past year or so. Um, to pray for people to do well, to be well, for their plans to go well. And that's hard. Because a part of me is like, nah, I don't, I don't care. I don't, want them, I don't want them to do well. I want them to feel what I've been feeling, but that's not the right thing to do. Because over time, prayer helps us to become more like Christ. We're kind of beating ourselves up a little bit. Um, it helps us to be more like who Christ longs for us to be because God doesn't change. His perspective is eternal. right? And that's a, kind of a hard thing to grasp. But when you really think about it, much like if you ever think about how small we are as humans, 
in comparison to the vastness of our universe, right? We're like a tiny, we're microscopic in the eyes of, of all of creation. Um, God's perspective is so much bigger than ours, right? It, it doesn't change. He, he knows what's, what has happened and what's going to happen. And even though it's frustrating to be told no or to hear no or to hear nothing for so long, we have to trust that this is what is best. And prayer can help us to gain that perspective. And it's still not easy. I don't want it to sound like it's some kind of light switch or some magic spell that you say and all of a sudden God makes it right and you, help and you see the light of day. It takes a while. Some, there are some things we may never really understand uh, on, in this life. And Jesus knows this because after all, He would eventually, not very long from this, uh, after this, be praying in the Garden of Gethsemane for God to take this cup of suffering away from Him. Father, if I don't have to do this, please, if there's another way, nevertheless, whatever is Your will is what I want to do. Right? Um, he was willing to endure whatever needed to be done. Jesus knows the difficulty of a no answer. And in verse 8, he asks a question of his listeners. Because he says, look, this lady, we know humans are like this. Uh, she finally found relief. He finally did the right thing. How much better is God? But even so, even though we know how much better God is, can faith like this lady be found anywhere on the earth? Are there people who are willing to persist in prayer despite no's, despite silence? And now I have to kind of turn like you always do. The Bible is like a light that shines into my own heart and in my own life. Am I willing to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking on the door because that process of asking and seeking and knocking is good for me. It helps me to increase in my ability to love God and to love people. Right? Kind of like a training montage in the Rocky movie. While I'm praying for someone who's sick, Rocky's doing sit-ups on the barn rafter. I'm praying for God to help me love my enemies. Rocky's running up a mountain. Screaming, Drago! Except at the end, when I get to the top, I just have to say, me! Because right? I'm like my own worst enemy. Persistent prayers can help us to become more patient, more loving, gentle, kind. All these fruits of the Holy Spirit. Good, loving, joyful, and peaceful. Or, what if I'm the judge in this story? Am I the one that's not a respecter of persons or God? And I have absolutely been that in my time. I don't care what God thinks. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care who it hurts. You ever been there? I see some smiles. That's okay. We've always been there. All of us have been there. What if God is the one persistently after me, persistently coming to me and saying, hey, there's injustice in, in your community. There's injustice in your home. There's injustice in your life. What are you doing about it? And finally, he, maybe he beats me up enough where I go and do the right thing. He's imploring me to do the right thing. And I know what I should do, but for some dumb reason, I don't do it. 
In the end, this parable is about, is about persistence. Whether we are the ones persistently asking God and believing that He loves and cares and will do the right thing, or whether God is persistently asking us to do the right thing. Right? It's about continuing to make your needs known to God. Not because He doesn't know or He can't figure out what we need, like there's some kind of unspoken expectation. Right? I've had those before. Well, I can't believe they didn't do this. Well, did you ask them to do that? Well, no, but they should have known. Right? It don't work that way. Um, not because He doesn't know what we need, but because... It is through the process of persistent prayer that we change. God changes us, right? It's like a, a, a blacksmith beating a piece of metal against a harder piece of metal. The softer metal changes. And God is absolutely not going to change. We are the ones that change and that need to change. Through persistent prayer, we're able to change our perception of how the world works and to start focusing on others more and us less. Maybe, maybe you here need to get back in the ring, so to speak. I'm trying to continue my Rocky analogy as we're going through. Maybe you need to get back in the ring with God. Um, not that he's an adversary. Maybe he's more like a training partner, right? Um, maybe through prayer... We need to wrestle with God more. To ask and to wait expectantly. To cling to the only one that can meet your desperate needs. Maybe you need to be held through the storm. There was a song several years ago, um, in the 90s I think, that talked about sometimes, just like Jesus in the Bible, God can always can and sometimes he does calm the storms of life around us. But sometimes he holds us through the storm. He calms us. Maybe that's what you need right now. Maybe you don't need to hear an answer to prayer or have the storm to be stopped, but to be carried safely through into the other side. It's to know that God still cares even if the answer is no, even if the answer is silence. Um, it really hurts sometimes when we have to say no to our own kids. Uh, I want to give them everything in the world. But you can't just act any old way and still get rewarded. And that's a tough job. That's a tough lesson for them sometimes. But I think that's part of what faith is, is, is knowing that God still cares no matter what the answer is. And that's the struggle, right? It's, it's the montage. It's the training montage. We keep showing up. We keep fighting, even if it seems hopeless. We keep loving. Even if we get pushed away, we keep caring, even if nobody else does, or the care is not reciprocated, we keep praying, we keep having confidence in this big, almighty God that we're praying to. And even if He doesn't answer how we would like, or He doesn't answer at all, He's the one that we place our hope in. And this week, um, my prayer for us is that we would find that hope in Him. That if uh, there are needs that we have, that even though He knows them, He still encourages us to bring them to Him. To voice those needs. And it can help us to understand what they are for ourselves. And to help see how He is working on those needs. Maybe in small ways that we may not see at first.
And I pray that you will find the answers to the prayers that you have. But I also pray that even if you don't find the answers, that you keep praying, you keep asking, you keep seeking. Not because you have to eventually wear God down so that He will answer you, but because of who He is and how big He is and how wonderful and loving He is. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep having faith. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for uh, Your great love, Your great mercy for the parable of... Um, uh, this widow and the unjust judge. I pray that uh, you would just help us to have faith, to be persistent, to uh, keep loving you, not because we're trying to beat the system, but because you love us and this is what you ask of us to do. You know, help us to uh, be encouraged when the answer is no or the answer doesn't seem to be coming at all. Either no or yes. So just kind of hanging out there. Help us to have faith in, in you. Help us to have faith in Christ. Um, help us to love other people like just like you love them, even when we're discouraged. Thank you so much for everything that you've done and for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Hopecast. We pray that it was uh, an encouragement to you and that uh, even if your prayers are taking a long time to be answered or the answer is no, um, that you would be encouraged because we believe that God is great and He's loving and that He really does have our best interest in mind. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or concerns about anything that you heard this morning or heard from this, um, that you would uh, reach out to us, hopechurchrc at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, hopechurchrc.org, and there's a contact form there, or you can find us on social media at hopechurchrc. Anyways, pray that this was a blessing to you and an encouragement, and uh, we'd uh, hope you enjoy. Peace.